You probably know what it's like to be in a yes brain state where no matter what's happening in your life, you feel good, you feel creative, courageous, curious, like you can take on the world. And you probably know what it's like to be in a no brain state where no matter what happens, everything just feels worse. Well, in today's episode, we're going to cover with Dan Siegel how to foster a yes brain both in you and in your kids and in the people around you. First, this podcast is my offering to you to help you have the most amazing, thriving relationships possible. So if you're finding it to be helpful, please consider a donation to help ensure that we can continue. To choose something that feels right for you, just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And this week, I would like to thank Richard, Beverly, and Angie for your generous support. Thank you so much. Also, if you haven't had a chance to download it yet, make sure you grab my free guide to my top three relationship communication secrets. These are the kinds of things that when you put them into practice, no matter what you have to talk to your partner about, you'll be able to do it in a way that helps you stay even more connected than you were before. So in order to download that guide, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And finally, if you haven't joined us yet, you can be part of the conversation online in our Facebook community. It's the Relationship Alive community on Facebook. And as of now, we have over a thousand people who are there to help support each other in having amazing, thriving relationships and to continue the conversations that we're having here on the Relationship Alive podcast. So if you're on Facebook, find us in the Relationship Alive community. Okay, that's it. On with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. So as I mentioned at the beginning, today we are going to focus on how to cultivate a yes brain, primarily in our children. But in order to do that, you're going to have to learn how to cultivate a yes brain in yourself and in the people around you and how to have conversations about it that actually help people understand what you're even talking about. And in our kids, this is particularly important because when they go offline, they need to understand what's happening in their bodies and how to bring themselves back online. It's a crucial skill in today's world, especially now that we know about it. In order to have this conversation, we are having a return visit from none other than Dan Siegel, the father of interpersonal neurobiology, which is essentially the study of how we affect each other, how, our, how we affect each other in our brains, in our bodies, and how that all interrelates. And Dan was on the show back in episode 57, talking about mindsight and mindfulness in your relationship. And if you want to check that out, you can visit neilsatin.com slash mind. Today, he is here to talk about his new book that just came out, co-authored with Tina Payne Bryson, called The Yes Brain, How to Cultivate Courage, Curiosity, and Resilience in Your Child. 
even though we're having this conversation about parenting, I know for sure that if you don't have kids in your life, you'll find lots of useful information in this show. We're going to have a detailed transcript, which you can download if you visit neilsatin.com slash yesbrain. Or as always, you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. It is a pleasure to have you back here on the show. So Dan Siegel, thank you so much for joining us again today on Relationship Alive. Neil, it's an honor to be here with you. Great, great. I think a, a great place to start is at the end. And I like to start there only because sometimes it helps provide a really nice context for the overall conversation. And by the end, I'm thinking about the end of your book where you start talking about what is it that we're really after in children? How do we measure success? And I'm wondering if you can talk for a moment about the the kind of culture clash that's happening in terms of how we encourage this kind of external success and sometimes we're missing out on the internal success that the yes brain is all about. Well, Neil, you've picked up on, I think, one of the central issues that Tina Bryson and I really wanted to address in the yes brain book and in our work as teachers and clinicians and in our life as parents and partners with our spouses, you know, this idea of thinking deeply about what success is for ourselves and for our kids is at the heart of a strategy for how you parent. Because if you're just going along with what in modern society you hear is a measure of success, you know, like what your numbers achievement is, like what kind of elite college you get into or your bank account alone or the number of cars you have or, you know, these things that you can measure in numerical ways that give us a feeling like I could always do more. I don't have enough fans on my social media page. I didn't get enough hits when I put out that photograph, you know, you can always feel like there's someone who's doing better than you. We even have a set of circuits in the brain that are ready to give us a comparative stance toward other people. And if success is measured by these very common contemporary culture ways of saying, yes, I achieved this bank account, and yes, I have this kind of car, and yes, these are the number of things I have, then it's a treadmill that continually leads to a feeling of inadequacy and I got to do more and more and more and more. In contrast to that kind of treadmill that goes nowhere, but that most of us get on, even as parents thinking about what we want for our kids, in contrast to that, think about the idea that someone could develop an internal compass that gave them a feeling of incredible gratitude for being alive, for the privilege of having this journey that we call a lifetime, for the honor of connecting with other people, for the excitement of having curiosity for what the world and life is all about, for the way we can have this courage to actually try new things beyond what we're just given. And when life doesn't go the way we may have expected it to go, 
we have the resilience to bounce back. So that resilience and creativity and courage come from an internal compass that you can help construct in a child as you parent them in a certain strategy that we call a yes brain strategy. So in the yes brain book, what we've done is give a way to parent with discipline, with structure. So sometimes people hear the word yes brain and they go, oh, permissive parenting. And that's not at all what we mean. What we mean is that you as a parent have the opportunity to understand that the brain can get into a no brain state. And that's where you're feeling threatened, where you feel inadequate, where you activate these survival reactions of fight, flight, freeze, and faint, the four Fs that come along with a reactive no brain state. And in that no brain state, that comes when you say no harshly several times is the thing I do in workshops, that shuts down learning and shuts down your access even to connecting not just with other people, but even to your own internal compass. And in contrast that you can cultivate a yes brain state, which is where a person feels open to new experience, aware that life is about challenges and disciplined effort and that sometimes what you accomplish with your effort isn't what you expected, and we call that a disappointment, some people call that a unsuccess or a failure, but instead of collapsing with that experience, you rise up and say, wow, here's an opportunity for more learning, for me to try again, for me to learn new skills. And then when you do that, there's where you get the courage and resilience, and really the ability to say, let me try things in new ways, which is what creativity is. So when we use those phrases, you know, creativity and courage and resilience, we don't use them lightly. We're literally defining them very carefully, talking about what's the brain state that enables them, and then giving parents strategies for basically creating a yes brain state, which develops the trait of courage, the trait of creativity, the trait of resilience. And that's what the whole approach is about. Now, are, are parents going to be able to create a, or cultivate a yes brain state for their kids without getting to know a yes brain state for themselves? Well, the first step is exactly like you're saying, Neil. It's about having the insight to feel inside yourself when you're reactive, that's the no brain state, versus when you're receptive, that's the yes brain state. And so the first step is to know yourself. And, you know, in a book I wrote, Parenting from the Inside Out with uh, Mary Hartzell, you know, that book was all about the research finding that parents who do have self-awareness, and especially awareness of how their own past shaped their present experience of being alive and their present experience of parenting. Those parents who are actually the ones most likely to have a relationship with their child that cultivates security, secure attachment is the best predictor of what we can do as parents to help our children have resilience basically. So when you look at that research, it shows that, yeah, exactly like you're saying, self-awareness is the starting place. And then once you have that self-awareness, then you say, okay, well, that's my inner reflective skills. Now what do I do with my parenting actions? And that's where you get onto uh, the yes brain approach where we say, okay, you, your goal as a parent 
is yes to know what a yes brain feels like and a no brain feels like so that you learn from the inside out how if you are doing things with your child that is repeatedly creating a sense of threat or your child is coming home from school and feeling that threat state, not from anything you did, but from what happens with their peers or teachers or being on the internet, there are all sorts of things that create a no brain state. Whatever it is, you're sensing it in yourself as the starting place so you can then sense it in your child. And then when you sense that fighting, fleeing, freezing, or fainting, no brain set of reactivities, then you can teach them how to move from a no brain state to a yes brain state. So instead of being shut down in either rigidity or chaos, you actually allow them to transition into a yes brain state. We teach these very practical steps on how to do that. So now your child is in a receptive yes brain state where learning happens, openness to new things happens, connecting with others happens, and even developing this internal compass, which is basically a feeling in your gut and a feeling in your heart that gives you this literally felt experience that directs you even beyond words in your mind or beyond the thoughts you might have. It's kind of a, an internal compass is what I call it that is directing you to the true north of things that matter to you and things that are important in your relationships with others. So perhaps a great place to dive in would be to talk about the different characteristics of the yes brain and and how we actually can some some actual strategies as parents for helping children understand these concepts and then to put them into practice. And um, and I really think this is great because so much of the work that we're doing here in relationship has been about helping people recognize when they are triggered. And, you know, we had Steve Porges back on the show in in uh, episode, what was it, 34, um, to talk about polyvagal theory and basically what's happening in our brains. But I, what I love about your book is that it makes it really practical to see not only how it happens in a child, but also ways to talk about it that get you someplace else so you're not feeling trapped by by your you know your biology um so maybe we should start with balance that's the first concept that you talk about and so how do you convey what balance means right well the first thing to say in terms of people who love acronyms is i'm kind of an acronym nut so the, <laughs> the whole book is an acronym of Especially if you like cheese, it'll be easy to remember. It's Brie cheese. So the first of B R I E is, I don't know if you noticed that, Neil, but um, is balance. And here the idea is just to start with, I think, that beautiful way you, you introduced this segment of our conversation, you know, is the sense of awareness we have of our internal state. And, you know, in our interpersonal neurobiology series, you know, Steve now, Steve Porges has two books in our series. One is the polyvagal theory. The other is the pocket guide, the polyvagal theory, both beautiful books. And the idea is that you have a physiological state, which we can describe in a moment. And the key to making this practical in a parent's life is for you as a parent or because you're just talking about a relationship with close relationships with you as a partner to 
become aware of what that internal state is. And a state basically means a pattern of energy and information flow that's happening, and we can talk about an inner state, so the internal milieu of your whole bodily system, including what happens in your head. So when we talk about the brain, it's really the embodied brain. It's never just the head alone, even though we, we're all excited about the brain because we can now look beneath the skull, but it's really the embodied brain. But you even have a relational state. You can call that an interstate, but you'll probably think it's a highway <laughs> going between Tennessee and another state. Um, so, you know, these interstates and interstates are patterns of energy and information flow. So, for example, in the relational world, you know, I work with two wonderful researchers at MIT, Otto Scharmer and Peter Senge, and we're studying something that we call generative social fields. And in this work, what we're trying to do is identify relational fields, that is, social um, connections, relationships, that we call a social field, that um, have a generative quality to them. That is, they promote curiosity, they promote creativity, they promote compassion, um, anything with a C. You know, <laughs> so it's a good stuff. Um, I think they're what are called integrative fields. Integrative means you honor differences and promote linkages. That's my take on it for the work Peter and Otto and I are doing. And, you know, if you look at it that way, you say, well, what is it really comprised of? And from an interpersonal neurobiology point of view, the field I work in, you know, energy and information flow is something that happens between us as well as within us. So you can look at a field, which is energy and information flow patterns. Flow is change. Information is a pattern of, of energy with symbolic value. Energy is this process that has cliff variables, another acronym that has contours, locations, intensities, frequencies, and forms, and other aspects to it, too, that you can look at how literally energy is being shared within a relationship. And then within us, we also have these energy and information flow states. And these are the inner states that Steve beautifully described in the polyvagal theory that could activate the dorsal branch of the vagus nerve or the ventral branch. Um, and you can also look at how not just the parasympathetic, but the sympathetic system is involved. And to say it very, uh, um, in an outline kind of way, when we're threatened, a system that Steve calls uh, neuroception that is constantly looking for, am I safe, am I not safe, am I safe, am I not safe? The neuroceptive monitoring process ascertains, even without consciousness, right now I am not safe, I'm being threatened. And when it does that, it can go down one of two major pathways. One is a, an activating pathway that turns on the, the sympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. It's a branch that comes down from the head brain into the body. And that's and fight, flight, right? That's fight, flight, freeze even. Mm -hmm. The freeze part is tightening up your muscles to figure out, should I fight or should I flee? So it's like giving yourself temporary paralysis. It's a very activating system. I know in the past, everyone called that, you know, the third part of the system, but actually what Steve and Pat Ogden and I did in a book I wrote called The Pocket Guide to Interpersonal Neurobiologists, we wanted to make it clear for people that there's actually four Fs, that you have an activating freeze, which is sympathetic, but then you, that is like the accelerator, 
But the fourth F is fainting or feigning death, which is when you activate the, the dorsal branch of the vagus nerve, you shut down heart rate, you shut down blood pressure, and literally, if it's extreme enough, you faint. And there's all sorts of benefits to collapsing because uh, basically carnivores don't eat dead meat so that if they think you're dead and you're, you fainted, they'll throw you around, but they won't eat you and you'll survive. Uh, the other is the, the telephone booth phenomenon, you know, whereas, you know, we don't have telephone booths for the most part anymore because if people heard a bad news on a telephone call and you fainted but stayed sitting up, then it would be terrible for you. So, you know, that's not good. So you want to, if you're not getting blood flow going to you and you're fainting, you want to be flat. Oh, so if you're in a phone booth, keep the door open. Before. Keep the door open, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um so anyway, those are just funny little stories. But the bottom line is you have these, you have this kind of parasympathetic dorsal branch of the vagus nerve that shuts you down and collapses into faint, a faint situation when you feel totally helpless. That's one response to threat. And the other three are activating, freezing up, you know, fi- fleeing or, or fighting. So the bottom line, any of those three are, are all threat reactions either shutting down or activating you to temporarily paralyze yourself or run or fight. And these states are not open to new learning. So when you move from those reactive states of a threat, which you can induce in a workshop, let's say by saying no, or if you're a parent, you constantly screaming no at your kid, you're always creating a no brain state. So a yes brain state is when your neuroceptive system, that's Porges's um, term, you know, is assessing, okay, I'm no longer threatened, and then turns on Steve's beautiful phrase of a social engagement system that then relaxes your muscles instead of getting ready for fighting or getting ready to run or tightening you up or collapsing you, you actually improve the way you're relaxing into what's going on. You're more receptive to what's happening. You're, you're the bandwidth of sound that you can take in is much broader. Um, You're open to engaging not just with others, but even with yourself. And you're ready to take risks and try out new things. And that's what learning depends on and creativity depends on. And curiosity is nourished by this, you know, yes brain state. The yes brain state is the receptive, open connecting state that we want to relate to our children and how we want to relate to our partners. And it's you know, it's where optimal learning takes place. So as a parent, when you learn to feel the difference in yourself and in your partner and in your child of a yes brain versus no brain state, you learn to create that balance of a yes brain state. That's the balancing part. And the resilience of the BRE acronym is you learn that when you're in a no brain reactive state of, you know, either chaos or rigidity that tend to come with those states, you learn to help a person move from those reactive states of no, the no brain, to the receptive state of a yes brain. And that's that's what resilience is. How do you come back into this optimal receptive yes brain state? So in an ideal world with our kids, um, one, how are we... Um, how are we opening them up to this awareness of what's happening within them? And two, 
what is our task when, because how many times has, have you witnessed or maybe experienced this yourself where your child is going offline, they're, they're getting really frustrated or, you know, whatever it is. And the impulse is to like want to intervene right there and, and say, you know, you know, you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't hit your sister or, you know, whatever it is. And what you've just explained is exactly why children aren't going to be receptive to anything that's trying to explain to them why they should or shouldn't be doing whatever it is they're doing in that moment. Um, so how do we invite our children into this knowledge and how do we show up as parents when we start to sense that um, our children's neuroception is telling them that they're not safe for whatever reason? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, let's start with the first part of your question, which is just so clear and so elegant. You know, the idea is, as a parent, to remember that there is no such thing as perfect parenting. There just isn't. And why in all my parenting books, I always put the way I've goofed up as a parent and my kids are always dismayed (laughs) (laughs) in their terms, you know, why am I sharing what a jerk I can be? You know, (laughs) because I tell them, I want people to know that no one does perfect parenting. Even if you're writing books on it, have your degrees in this area, you're board certified, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. There's no such thing as perfect parenting. So we need to support each other on the journey because when you made a rupture to the, the direction you need, you're trying to take, it's really important to make a repair. So that's the place to start. Then you say, well, what's this whole rupture repair thing all about? And so you start with this idea of a no brain state. So as you're saying, Neil, you know, if your child or you could translate everything we're saying, by the way, for a close friendship or romance or anything, I mean, you know, we're talking about the teaching part about it. That may be a little different in parenting, but connecting, it's the same fundamental issue. So, you know, when your child enters a no brain state, fighting, fleeing, freezing, collapsing, they tend to go toward these rigid or chaotic states that can induce in you as the parent, a similar state as your present for them and attuned to them, that attunement is focusing on their internal world, you can begin to then resonate with them. Now, if you've not taken the time to become more skillful at being self-aware, and what self-aware means is nothing fancy, it means what's your body state right now? Are you reactive in a no-brain state or are you receptive in a yes-brain state? That's the first question. And if you're in a no-brain state, There's no good parenting that can happen when you're in a no-brain state. So you need to use your own balance and resilience and get yourself back into a yes-brain state no matter what your child's doing. Now, that's a skill you can develop, and we teach how to develop that in the book, which I can talk about in a moment. But in terms of directly connecting with your kid, you need to make sure you yourself are in a yes-brain state first. Now, they keep on screaming or yelling or whatever they're doing in their reactive no-brain state, you need to realize that's gonna start inducing frustration in you. If you're in public, it may induce a feeling of shame. You may start getting angry and frustrated, both with your kid and with yourself. And in that social situation, if it's public, you can start losing your temper, even though you don't want to. And even in private, you can feel like, wow, 
I'm at the, my wit's end. I can't do this anymore. When you get to those kinds of places of no brain reactivity in yourself, you need to take a break. And depending on the age of your kid, if your kid is not hurting herself and you can be left alone, you need to go for a walk, take a stretch, get a drink of water. You need to get yourself back into a yes brain state. So that's the first thing to say. A lot of our meltdowns in parenting, a lot of the ruptures that happen are when we ourselves are in a no brain state and we try to parent in that state, it is not possible. And what people tend to do is they justify their behaviors, hitting their kids, squeezing their arm, cursing at them, demeaning them, and they say, my kid deserved it. And you, you see, and I've seen this even in my friends, this kind of rationalization that what they've done in that no brain state, which in that state felt right, and then they, they remember that they did it, they then, when they're out of that state, justify it. And it is the saddest thing because it actually is not very helpful to their kid. And it's actually creating this kind of prison for themselves as they continue to rationalize that what they've been doing and this pseudo strategy for parenting that's coming from these reactivity is like, okay, they think somehow it's a sign of strength. So can I ask that, you a quick question about that actually? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think I hear from some parents this notion that um, I can't let my child see that I'm uncertain or I'm supposed to be providing safety for my child. So that's going to be setting harsh limits. And even if they're freaking out, it's like me being really clear and direct with them. And... Um, and what I'm hearing from you suggests that maybe that's not entirely true, that there's a way to maintain a child's sense of safety and at the same time be a fallible human as well. Well, let me ask you something and let me ask your listeners who've asked you those very important questions. When your child gets to be an adolescent and has learned from your role modeling, do you want them to be the kind of adolescent who, you know, does something at a party and then says, well, for me to look like a strong friend to my friends, I've got to say that what I did was actually right, even if what I did was actually wrong and I can learn from it? Right. I'm guessing the answer is no. I would want them to have an internal moral compass that helps them do what they really truly think is right in a moment and not be... Um, ruled in that way by by the the need to not stand out or to um yeah or just to be in a reactive place when they're Ex making choices or not really even making choices so exactly so an internal moral compass an internal compass is what you can role model for your child so if as happens to all of us you know you get reactive and are reacting from a no brain state rather than responding from a yes brain state and emphasizing the term reactivity versus responsivity when you're receptive in the yes brain state you're able to respond in a flexible way when you're reacting in a no brain state it's coming like a knee-jerk reflex right so we all can get into those no brain states if all your child is learning is that sometimes you're acting like a complete jerk and making no sense and then standing up for what you did in that jerk state you were in, then all they're learning is that you're kind of out of your mind. 
<laughs> Seriously. And they can't make sense of it. I'm serious about that. And in contrast, if you say, hey, what I did 10 minutes ago, what I did yesterday, what I did, you know, two hours ago, whenever you got yourself back into a yes brain state, I just want to tell you, I think what I did was a mistake. You know, I was really frustrated and I was coming from a, and now we, you have the language for this. I was coming from this no brain state of reactivity and any human being can do it. It's the way the brain works. So it may not be my fault, but it is my responsibility to reconnect with you and say, I think what I did was wrong. And I'm going to really try to learn it. Let's try to understand from that experience. Now, in all that stuff, I didn't say, you made me act like that, you stupid kid. You know, because any parent can do that. And most parents do do that. And that's not helpful. You're the adult. So, you know, our kids are learning to be in life by pushing on boundaries. And so coming back to the main thread of this you know, question you're asking, it's so beautiful, is, you know, what you can do is learn yourself what a no brain versus yes brain state feels like. Sense that in your child so that you're role modeling for them that you're a human being too. And if you pretend like you're not, you're just creating this, literally, a delusion is a, a belief that's not consistent with reality. So if you try to pretend like you're not a human, unless you are in fact a cyborg robot, you know, but if you are a human being, then you are a human being. So to pretend like you're not one doesn't make any sense. So goofing up and making a mistake is human and then making a repair of that mistake is heartful humanity. And so what you want to do is be that full human being. So now what you're doing is you're role modeling for your child that you're aware of these two states. Now you can very directly, and we do this in the Yes Brain book, we teach you how to understand that in yourself, how to understand in your child, and even to teach you how to speak to your child about this, because every child should know about their brain. So you say, look, what happened five minutes ago is really hard. You know, I think you're in a no brain state. You were reactive like that. And I understand why, because I got reactive too. And it was really, we were both really tired. We were really hungry and we were both frustrated. It was raining. We wanted to go to the zoo and now we were stuck in the car and you didn't want to put on your seatbelt. And I got frustrated and yelled at you. And then you said, you definitely wouldn't do it. So I forced, you know, all the stuff you can, happens in parenting, <laughs> you know, and then, so you can tell the story of the experience with the framework that you understand people's behavior in a no brain state is quite different from a yes brain state. So what you're doing in that communication is you're saying to your child, behavior is shaped by the mind beneath the behavior. And the mind is shaped in part by the state of mind you're in, which is created by either a no brain or yes brain state. So when you're feeling reactive and not open to what's going on, all sorts of things can be said that can be harmful to others or even the self. And so recognizing that that was the state driving it allows you to move from this no brain state of reactivity and learn the skills of how to move to a yes brain state of being receptive. And listen, the, the fun thing about this, I got to say, and it was really beautiful to have Carol Dweck write an endorsement for the book because, you know, Carol Dweck has done beautiful work in the mindset of what she calls a fixed versus growth mindset. Yes. And in, in the fixed mindset, it's like, you know, uh, I am a fixed way and my behavior just shows it, whether I succeed or not in a 
in a race or with friends at a party or, you know, with um, the way I perform on a test that shows my innate talents that can't be changed. Whereas a growth mindset says, hey, you know, I have these things I do, all those things I just described, that come from my effort and the skills I've learned that come from disciplined ways of learning, you know. So if I don't accomplish what I think I w was going to accomplish in a race or get the score I wanted to on a test or, you know, have a successful outcome at a party where I didn't know many of the kids, you know, I can use that as, you know, a disappointment for sure, okay, but then let that inspire me to learn the skills in a more disciplined way so I can try again. That's a growth mindset. And what Carol Dweck beautifully wrote about was, you know, that these are skills, the yes brain approach are skills that parents can use. And they're also, by the way, the skills that are beneath grit, Angela Duckworth's work, you know, that allows you to see how a child can have this kind of perseverance in the face of challenge, you know, that requires a growth mindset that you can then see the strategies for building grit and a growth mindset. Yeah, so I'm wondering if we could just tackle something specific for a moment because I'm imagining a situation that many parents have multiple times, which is um, being faced with their child in a state of frustration or disappointment and you talk beautifully in, in The Yes Brain about this balance as a parent between being differentiated because you want your children to have their experience, but also staying linked to them and, and feeling with them. So that might be a great way, if you could illustrate, what would you do with a child who was feeling really disappointed about something? Um, what's a way that you could approach that that would foster their own uh, growth and developing some of this, um, I think that would be more like resiliency, um, which you talk about as expanding their ability to handle to handle disappointments and stressful situations um, without going into uh, into the red zone of of fight flight freeze. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, if you take the four of those things, the three components of balance, resilience, insight, and empathy. Let's do an example that kind of illustrates all four. Great. With what, with what you're, you're inquiring about, about a frustrating experience. So let's take that example I gave. You know, you're going to the zoo and it starts to have pouring rain. So you can't go to the zoo. Your, your child, let's say seven, he was so excited about going to see the panda bears. And now he can't. And it's really, really raining. So you've got to have an alternative plan. And he's really angry. He won't put his seatbelt on the back seat, you know, in his car seat and you know, you're just frustrated beyond belief because you wanted to see the pandas too and you're both hungry because you're going to go have lunch in the zoo or all these things, okay. Right, and now and, you're getting frustrated because your child is not putting their seatbelt on and not listening to you and not right. enabling you to move on to the next thing. Exactly, exactly. And so you're, you get out, you're getting wet, you're trying to reach over there and he's like pushing on you because he's in a fight mode you know, and you're trying to buckle that seat and then he like hits you in the face, whatever is going to happen, this can happen. Right. Clearly neither you nor I has ever experienced this before. No, no, never, never. I'm talking about the theoretical people, you know, and so now he hits you in the face and so now you grab his arm and now you're screaming and, you know, he's crying and he's looking terrified of you because you look terrifying. 
you know, and not, neither of you want to be doing this, but this is what's happening. You know, yeah. this, is, this is parenting 101, right? So it's really hard. It's like the basics. Okay, so you take a break. You, you close the door so he doesn't get wet. You don't continue with what you're doing because you recognize you're really doing stuff that's not so good. And maybe you get the umbrella and go for the walk around the car, but you don't abandon him. Maybe you go sit in the front seat and say to him, Joey, you know, let's both take a couple minutes just to calm down. Let's just focus on your breathing. And he's screaming and yelling, but you do not interact with him, but you're in the car. So you're not abandoning him, but you're getting yourself back into the yes brain state. We call it the green zone, you know, green for go. So once you're really in that green zone, you check in with yourself. You know, how's my heart doing? You know, how are my muscles doing? Is my jaw clenched? You know, you look for, I, I call it sifting the mind. So the S is the sensations in your body. We just went over the I or any kind of images. So maybe you're seeing red and maybe you're really furious. And maybe you're thinking of, you know, images of how you've spoiled him because you're taking the zoo all the time or whatever. Feelings of frustration, of anger, thoughts, you know, God, I've done a terrible job. This is horrible. Or this is what my father always did with me. I've made a big mistake in becoming my father. All these things. So you're sifting your mind. And now as you sift through this stuff, you're naming things so you can tame them. Because what the studies show is that when you name an emotional state, you can actually regulate it. So this is the insight part of breathe. You know, and now you're going to do the E of breathe, the empathy. You're going to say, well, of course he was frustrated. He entered a no-brain state because he was hungry and tired. Maybe he had to sleep over the night before at a friend's house or something. And you both didn't expect it to rain. And, and he loves going to the zoo with you. And so, of course, he's really disappointed. And he's seven. You know, he's not 47 like you are. He's seven. Okay. So now once you get yourself sifted through, you get back into the S-brain state. He's still, you know, kicking or whatever he's doing. So here's the move. You connect before you redirect. And what you're doing there is you're able, able to say to him, I can understand why it would be so frustrating for you that we couldn't go to the zoo. And then you pause. Now, in that moment, what you're doing is instead of reacting to his reactivity by saying, stop yelling, stop screaming, it's okay, blah, 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 you're actually attuning to where he's at. I remember this with another acronym, PART. You're present for Joey. That's the P. You're attuning, this is the A, which means focusing attention on his inner world, not just his kicking legs and his screaming voice. You're attuning to his inner mental state. In this case, he's fighting black because he's in a no-brain state. He's really mad and upset because he's really disappointed. So he feels threatened because he didn't get to have his time with you. All these things. So that's a tuning. Resonating is you are being shaped by his internal state. Maybe initially it was too much and you lost differentiation because you became him. Now you can resonate without over-identifying with him. And that's fine. You can feel that frustration. And the T of part, so presence, attunement is focusing on the internal world, resonating is feeling some of his feelings not becoming him. T is trust. And now trust is created because you say, Joey, of course you were frustrated. Of course it was so hard. I even understand why it's not okay, but you hit me in the face because you were feeling so mad because I didn't recognize how frustrated you were. I, I get that. And then you just sit there. 
Now, in that moment, what's happening to energy and information flow that's within you, within him, is you're becoming joined. Because you're not judging his state. You're not trying to teach him a lesson. You're not trying to criticize him. You're just being with him. Instead of being alone, you two are now together. And if you look at the mathematics of that, you know, basically two separate systems becoming joined as differentiated and now linked allow the whole system to do what's called increased complexity. Basically, it's becoming more integrated. And the thing that's really fantastic about that is it becomes more regulated. So instead of being alone in his frustration and fear and, and fury, he's now joined with you. And in that joining, things start to shift. And in that joining, he moves little bit by little bit from no brain reactivity to yes brain receptivity. And now in the joining, now you can then problem solve together. You know, we both got really in a no brain way, didn't we? Yeah, we really did. He starts to cry. But I really wanted to see the pandas. You go, I know, I did too. Gosh, oh my God, I just realized there's a panda movie at the movie theater. We go to the movies if, if we can get in because maybe everyone's going. So we don't know we can. Why don't we go get some lunch first, see when the movie's playing, and let's go to the movies. Okay, Dad, that's great. You know, and so what you've done there is so many things. You've taught him how he can go from reactivity to receptivity. So that's the resilience part. You've taught him how to feel the joy and the balance at the B part. You've taught him that when he's now joined with you and can reconnect and redirect his focus of attention. The insight is you've taught him that you were aware you had become reactive. And you're teaching him to become aware of his own state by saying, yeah, I guess you were in that reactive state when you hit me. You didn't want to hurt me, but you hit me. And then the E, the empathy part is, you're teaching him that you can look beyond the outwardly manifested behaviors at the mind driving the behaviors. And so often parents don't learn that skill. And yet it's a mindset skill that's at the basis of the way we teach an internal compass is by ourselves tuning into the internal experience of our child. And then the child learns to focus not only on the internal states of others, but on their own internal state. So when we come back to that first question, Neil, you know, would you want your adolescent to have an internal compass that drives their moral decisions? And you said, yeah, the answer is yes. This is how you do it. You get them in touch with their internal state beyond just outwardly manifested behaviors. That's the key. Mindsight skill building is the basis of a yes brain strategy approach and being real. You are a real human being who's in the real position of being a parent. Well, and I notice with my own son that the more that I show up that way, joining him first and then doing problem solving, then I've just seen his whole uh, emotional state really flourish and blossom um, just from adapting that approach more and more. And I've even, you know, I was experimenting a little bit more aggressively while, while I was reading the Yes Brain. And it's what I love about this work is that you illustrate it so clearly in the book. And it's not a, it's not a very long book. It's a, it's a really easy read. Um, and it's really practical and has very immediate effects in terms of 
the lightness that I was perceiving anyway in my in my own children. Exactly. Well, this is the the thing that is so incredibly rewarding for Tina and for myself. You know, is we get together and we think, okay, you know, where have our our parents and our workshops uh, been asking questions and what could Tina and I do, you know, to try to articulate in a very simple way. And believe me, it is hard to write a short book because <laughs> often I write long ones. So, you know, to really write in a short way for busy, tired parents, something that actually has immediate uh, practical things you can do and also a conceptual framework that we're trying to build in this library of books. We have Whole Brain Child, No Drama Discipline, and the others down the pike, you know, um, that we that parents can take in and instead of them being just separate things, it builds this kind of mindset approach to parenting. Well, Dan, I really appreciate your work and, and Tina's work with this book. And I just have so many questions I could ask you, but we've reached the top of the hour and I want to honor our our time commitment that we made. Um, for you listening, if you're interested in finding out more about Dan's work and Mindsight, you can listen to episode 57 of the Relationship Alive podcast. You can also download the transcript and the action guide from this episode if you visit neilsatin.com slash yesbrain. Or, as always, you can text the word PASSION to the number 33444 and follow the instructions, and we will send you a link to the transcript and action guide. And we will have a link to Dan Siegel's website, this book, his other books, um, so that you can get all the information that you need about Dan Siegel and his work. Um, In the meantime, Dan so much to talk about. So I hope we have the opportunity to chat again in the not too distant future. And thank you so much for joining us today. Neil, thank you. And thank you for all your wonderful work and bringing me this uh, material for the world out into access for everyone. It's my pleasure. You're, You're most welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.